I'm not going to um, repeat the story because the story speaks for itself. I'm not going to give you the perhaps usual kind of exposition you have come to expect from me. I don't think that's needful and it's not necessary because the main lesson of the story is very clear. It is about being forgiven and about forgiving others. So I want to move straight into how this applies to you and to me, to our lives and our relationships. And the uh, theme on which I wish to base it is the theme of release. And I hope that might come up on the screen. There should be some slides there for the sermon. I want to start where the story starts. How much we have been forgiven, like the man in the story. And the first point I want to make is that here in forgiveness of ourselves by God, we can find release from guilt. If you look up uh, guilt on the internet and uh, the implications for health, you will find that it is one of the main things that contributes to stress, to depression, to mental illness, and all those kinds of things. It's an issue which many psychiatrists and psychologists have to deal with. Now, in Jesus Christ, we have life to the full. So much life. But it all starts, that fullness of life, starts with an awareness of our sin, that we live for ourselves and without God. And maybe there are specific sins that we commit, and we know we need forgiveness. We, need to, we know that we need to come to Jesus and, trusting in him, find our forgiveness, that he died on the cross for our sins in our place to free us from guilt and give us forgiveness. He who knew no sin became sin for our sakes, that we might be right with God. God commends his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now you will all have your own story, if you are a Christian, as to how that came to be. And here is mine. I went to university, having been brought up in a Christian home of a very strict variety, without being a Christian. And for quite a bit of my time as a student, I was searching and um, trying to come understand how I could become a Christian, because I'd been brought up to believe that I was either elect or not, and there was nothing I could do about it. And gradually the Holy Spirit worked in me through friends like Pam, who, and the Christian Union friends who, uh, explained to me, all we've got to do is trust God's word. And the time came when uh, I was really convicted of my own sinfulness and the things I'd done that were wrong. And at a communion service at the Christian Union, when this happened, the person speaking, having uh, brought to that sense of being, knowing that I was a sinner, that he just brought out these promises, one after another, that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 
that as far as the east is from the west, so far he puts our transmission, our transgressions from us. And though our sins be as scarlet, yet they will be whiter than snow. And I found in that service that I was released from guilt. Is that coming up now? There we are. Released from guilt is my first point. And I had peace with God and an amazing joy which flooded my heart. And um, I started on a, a new pathway. And that was an amazing experience to, to receive. And I received communion that night at this communion service for the first time. Now, I was reminded of that, uh, often reminded of it, but I was particularly reminded of that uh, just the week before last because we went to Lee Abbey for the week where Pam had been asked by Simon Holland, to, uh, together with Natalie Savage, to run a listening course. And there were you know, something like 24, 25 people enrolled on this listening course. And I was able to go along, partly for the ride, but also I had the opportunity of spending quite a lot of time preparing some things I need to prepare. And um, so that was a good opportunity. But I went, um, I'd been sent an amazing picture by a friend of mine of three crosses. If you've been to Lee Abbey, you may know them. Here's the picture, I hope coming up, there it is. And these three crosses are at the top of a hill there. And in this picture that my friend took, he was very thrilled with it because you see that rainbow coming down to the foot of the central cross. Isn't that quite amazing? That there, in that image, we're reminded of God's faithfulness God's faithfulness to his son in the story of redemption on that cross and his faithfulness in raising him from the dead so that the cross is empty. And it's a beautiful day there, look. So I thought I must go up to these crosses, so I tramped up this hillside. And there in front of the cross, I was very moved really, I stood in front of it and I just remembered the story I've told you. And I just said those words, you know, nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. And there's all those, that's a wonderful hymn, isn't it, Rock of Ages? And um, the, there's that lovely verse in it, which I then repeated. I said those words out loud, actually. And then, let the water and the blood from my riven side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Cleanse me from its guilt and power. Do you see that? Guilt and then power, so that it has no longer hold over us. And that's where we start. Release from guilt at the foot of the cross. And today, I don't know how that resonates with you, probably you can identify many of you with that experience, but if you've never come to the foot of the cross before yourself, today is an opportunity for you to do that, to say, I'm, I'm a sinner, I come to the foot of the cross, nothing in my hand I bring, and Lord Jesus... I want you to release me from guilt and to offer me your forgiveness. That's where we start. Do you remember the Billy Graham Crusades? I know we were helpers at the Billy Graham Crusades. And coming back on the tube train, there's one occasion, I forget, the whole carriage was singing, Oh, happy day, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. I suspect some of you can remember that. They're just the whole carriage singing it on the tube. So we might just realise afresh how much, like that man in the story, how much we have been forgiven and we can thank God for that. Now Jesus goes on to say right at the end of the story, you should forgive your brother or sister from your heart. 
The man didn't do that, the second man. I want to move on then to the second point, which is about release from resentment. I hope that comes up on the screen. There we go. It is about forgiving someone else. And if we don't, we are disobeying what Jesus told us to do in this parable. And in ourselves, we will find the burden of bitterness and of resentment. Now I want to tell you another story. Back in 1984, someone said something to me which was very hurtful and was actually, probably most of it untrue, but there was probably some truth in it. It was very hurtful and I was very upset by it. For 10 years or so, or more, I carried that burden in my heart. Now, you won't know this person, because this was happened in London, and uh, in, in, in uh, our life in London before we moved to Guildford, so it's years ago, and uh, I carried that burden for a long time. That person subsequently died. Well, I went to, when I was uh, leading the work Prospects for Adults with Own Disabilities, that Christian charity that I led for six years, about two years into that, so it would have been about 1996, I went to a Spring Harvest Leaders Conference in Harrogate. And that was about three days. And on one of the evenings, um, R.T. Kendall was speaking. There are whole, you know, hundreds of lead Christian leaders around in this great semicircle in this wonderful conference centre. And R.T. Kendall, who's written a number of books, some of you may have read them, on forgiveness and forgiving others, R.T. Kendall spoke about forgiveness and particularly our need to forgive other people. And I was very conscious that I still had this burden of resentment about this person and what they had said to me, although the relationship had got better. And at the end he said, if you are carrying a burden of this, I want you to stand and you don't have to have an apology from the person all you do is you, by an act of will, forgive that person. So I felt God was really speaking to me, so I did. I stood up and by an act of will forgave that person. And do you know, a huge burden was lifted from me. I came into a new sense of peace and calm about it. I was released from resentment and bitterness. And the relationship steadily improved, and when that person died or came to death, they asked me to take their funeral, which I did. So I tell you that story. It's a bit like the prodigal son in a way. The thing about, some people say about the prodigal son, oh, well, he, he had, you know, before you can forgive, they have to apologize because he did say he was sorry. But the thing that struck me recently, thinking about the story of the prodigal son, is that when the father was looking for his son to return, he had no idea whether the son would apologise or not. He had no idea. He went and rushed out and greeted him and embraced him. He welcomed him back and forgave him without having had an apology, although the apology followed. But he didn't know that. So I'm just saying this really so that if there's anyone here that you've carried this burden of not forgiving somebody and you feel the bitterness, the resentment, by an act of will, even this morning, there'll be an opportunity, if you wish, you can say, I forgive you. And you will find the burden lifted.
you will find that you are healed, as I did. It will bring release from resentment and it will be released from any desire that you might have in your heart for revenge. Now, it can, as a second stage, uh, lead on to re reconciliation, that is, the continued healing of the relationship. It might take time. You know, I think, actually, it's true to say that if you've had something really difficult that someone said to you or done to you, uh, and you have that sense of injustice or resentment, you can't always deal with it straight away. You can't always forgive just straight away, just like that. It does perhaps take time, but the time needs to come when you are able to release it. And similarly, to move from that place of saying, I forgive someone, it may take more time for reconciliation to happen. And I think a very good illustration of this is the story of Joseph, if you think about it. When Joseph went into Egypt, having been sold into Egypt by his brothers and so on, in the end, you know the story, and in the end, the brothers in the famine, they all came to, to meet him and to see him and ask him for some corn and so on. And he recognized them and he forgave them because there's no vindictiveness in how he treated them but he didn't reveal himself to them at that stage. He tested them to see how much they would love their brother Benjamin. You remember that story? And how they placed the silver cup in his sack and what would happen. And then later, when he'd seen how they'd responded, that was when reconciliation happened, later, on about the second or third visit. And he wept. He told them who he was. And he wept. And he embraced them. And they were reconciled. So forgiveness is one stage, reconciliation another. They can happen together, but sometimes there is distance between them. And um, the other thing I just want to say as a bit of a caveat is that forgiveness does not necessarily mean that justice should not be done or faced. If someone's committed a morally wrong or criminal act, they do need to face lawful justice, but can be personally forgiven. And I want to give you an illustration of that, which many of you will remember, which is the story of Gordon Wilson at Enniskillen on Remembrance Day in 1987. And the IRA uh, took, uh, did some bombing, and his daughter was killed. And he said, on the very day that happened, I bear no ill will, I bear no grudge. For these men I pray day and night. And he died about eight years later in 1995, but it hit the headlines, it struck many, many people. He was a man who offered and gave his forgiveness. But the bombers rightly still had to face justice for the act that they had perpetrated. Do you see the difference then? So that's just another sort of caveat I wanted to mention. Now, the anger or bitterness we may feel about what someone has said or done to us might go very deep, and it takes time to be ready, as I've already said. During that time, you can pray God's blessings on them and for them, and pray that the time will come when you're ready to take that act of will and say, I forgive you. You don't have to tell them. You don't have to tell them. You just do it. 
and you will find that you are released from resentment. Colossians 3, bear with one another, forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Not necessarily expecting an apology, but just an act of will when you're ready. Put on love and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, which will happen. Why? Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. So, I want to move on now to a third release, which is release from a past memory or a past incident. And it may be we need to forgive ourselves. Perhaps we're troubled that we may have unwittingly offended someone and we don't even know about it. Pam's got the story now. So, um, where do I start? Um, I often find that I wake in the night and I remember things that maybe I've said in the past. And particularly um, because I was a teacher, you're in a position of power, it's very easy to say things that wound others. Um, but I know now that when I, when I wake up and I'm reminded of these things, I can again ask for forgiveness. But something a little bit different happened about, I think, 12 years, about 12 years ago. I was sitting just over there in church, and I don't know at what point in the service, I suddenly had this very strong feeling that I should ask God if there was anybody I had offended and had not apologized. And I had no idea why I prayed this prayer. Around that time, um, Friends Reunited was very um, in, in the news, and uh, I'd had, had contact made with me by um, a woman in her 50s, and she was part of the class that uh, I first taught when I f first started teaching in the 60s, at, uh, the first purpose-built comprehensive in, in London, over at Kibbrook. And I had a class of lovely girls. Um, they were my form, but I also taught Latin. Just need to know that. So anyway, I went, uh, this person got in touch with me and she said, you know, it'd be so amazing if um, you would come to one of our reunions. We, we have a meal at a pub um, every year. Um, it was over in Kent. Uh, will you come? So I went. Uh, drove across, and it was so extraordinary because these 14-year-old girls were now incredibly, impeccably groomed women in their 50s, um, and I had to kind of um, reconnect with who they were, and we had a lovely time. And then suddenly one of them said, Mrs. Lavelle, Gillian would like to speak to you. I said, yeah, okay. Gillian is an Ofsted inspector. Okay. Um, so Gillian came to speak to me, and I said, what is it? She said, in all my years at school, I only ever had one detention, and it was you who gave it to me. <laughs> so I said, I, for, ever for? Uh, you know, I had no memory of it. Well, she described a lesson in which I was prancing around with a bunch of roses teaching a, a, a grammar point, and there were big windows, and there were gardeners outside trimming the hedge. And she, she said, I turned to my friend, and I said, they must think she's mad. She said, you only heard me say, she's mad, and you put me straight into detention. And I said, but, but that, that, 
that was so awful, so unjust. Why didn't you speak to me at the end of the lesson? She said, we were far too scared of you. And I said, I am so sorry, you know, that I didn't, didn't, that you weren't able to come and tell me the story and I wasn't able to give you justice. I am just so sorry. And that was it. And I thought, I still don't know really why God wanted me to do that, but I know he did because he had prepared me so carefully by speaking to me in the service. I'm still scared of... No. <laughs> um, remarkable, wasn't it? And sometimes, you know, we can just offend or hurt someone without realising it. Actually, I had an experience of this this week. Someone came to see me. And I had negligently and without any, uh, realising it at all, um, hurt her. And so I asked for forgiveness. Just this week, when I was preparing all this, this should happen, you know. And it can happen that we just don't realise that we have sometimes, by what we've said or done or not done, we might offend and hurt somebody. So we need to pray for forgiveness for those times too. Now I want to move on. I think I've just got time to do my last point. Um, <clears throat> about releasing others. Another story. In October 2011, we went on the St. Saviour's Retreat down to St. Cuthman's. The speaker was Philip Seddon, and he talked uh, on the theme of encountering Jesus in John's Gospel. And in one session, he was talking about the story of Lazarus. And towards the end of the story, there are these words of Jesus, after Lazarus had come forth from the tomb, these words, unbind him, he said to them, unbind him and let him go. Jesus said that to them, the people around, or maybe just the disciples, we don't know. And what Philip said was this, this is a task of Christian ministry to unbind people. It's not just the vicars, it's everybody's. He, Jesus said it to them. Unbind, this is what he said. Unbind the grave clothes around one another. Unbind the shackles to set free. Do that for one another as part of the body of Christ. And that was, uh, really spoke to me actually. And it was quite extraordinary. In the following week, when this was very much on my mind about the ministry of setting people free and releasing them, I had three instances in one week of people coming to see me and what they needed was release from what was binding them. It was extraordinary and remarkable. And all of us um, can do this, especially by listening to people and praying with people. So that's something that might fall to you to do. Who knows? It is especially true, I think, for clergy there are times for the special ministry of releasing, which Jesus talked about when he said, when Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. And Cranmer picked this up in the prayer that is in the uh, common prayer of absolution, when the prayer that he wrote says this, Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who desireth not the death of a sinner, but rather that he may turn from his wickedness and live, and hath given power and commandment to his ministers to declare and pronounce to his people, being penitent, 
the absolution and remission of their sins. He pardoneth and absolveth all them that truly repent and unfeignedly believe his holy gospel. Who is the one who does the forgiving? It's God. Who is the one who is able to tell people and assure people to pronounce to them God's forgiveness, his ministers. And there have been twice in my ministry when that's happened, when there's a place for personal confession. People ask to see me and confess something and in the light of genuine repentance, I've said you are forgiven, assured them of God's forgiveness. And it's not been mentioned since, and it shouldn't be nor is it mentioned to anyone else. But it is a powerful thing that everyone can avail themselves of should that be needed. The other instance I want to mention about releasing others is, some of you may remember 10 years ago in 2009, I preached a sermon here on women's ministry when I was seeking to show that the ministry of women is to be affirmed in Scripture. It is affirmed in Scripture, and Scriptures have sometimes been misinterpreted and mistranslated by men. And when you get to the true heart of what they're saying, it is very, very affirming and releasing of women's ministry. And at the end of that service, something happened that I had never expected, and that was that a number of women, as they went out, said to Pam or to me, I feel restored. I feel healed. I feel affirmed. I feel released. And one person even said, I feel cleansed. Isn't that a remarkable word to use? So, I, I mean, it's the last thing I expected to happen. I had no idea that this would happen. I just did not think that would happen at all. No idea. But it did. Well, this morning, I've... Um, told you more stories than usual. Together we've told you more stories than usual, been much more personal than usual. There's an old question that uh, we sometimes uh, hear about the faith. Many people ask us, they say, is it true? And we have all sorts of reasons why we know that you know, we can produce evidence for the resurrection and all these things. It's true, what we're taught about the Christian faith. It's a bit of an old question. The question I think that far more people are asking, either aloud or in their hearts, is this. Does it work? And I think from what we have shared with you this morning, you'll see it works. It works in your life and in mine. Where are you in all of this then? Maybe it doesn't apply to you at all. I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe you need forgiveness and you need to come to the foot of the cross for the first time and yield your life to Jesus. Maybe you know there is someone or something that you haven't forgiven and there is some bitterness or resentment. And you, this morning, can, by, in our time of quiet, you can take that step of saying, I forgive you and you'll be released. Maybe in your relationships you can be ready to listen and perhaps in the coming days to unbind somebody and release them from whatever is binding them. Maybe like Pam, you want to pray 
that is, if there's anyone that you've unconsciously offended or hurt or negligently, that God will show you so that you can put it right. And if you need to ask me or someone else you're comfortable with to be with you and help you, you can do that at the end of the service or contact us in the coming days and we'll be pleased to help you. Above all, as you take that step, whatever it is for you, you can be assured that God loves you, that God is with you, and that God is wanting to bless you. Amen. Let's pray, shall we, and have a time of quietness. Just in the quietness. You can always stand up if you want to just indicate this is for you and make it very, very personal. You long to know God forgives you. You hear his promise. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Plenteous grace with thee is found, grace to cover all my sin. I want to come to you, Lord Jesus, to the foot of your cross. Or you know there's someone you need to forgive. Take that step of an act of will. I forgive you. Pray that God will show you if there's someone you've unknowingly and negligently hurt or offended. Pray that God may use you, even this week, to unbind or release someone else.